What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. First Contact with Lori Siegel is a production of Dot 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 Media and iHeartRadio. When it comes to the future of intimacy, there's so much fear, I think, now around physical touch. Will we see technology built specifically to replace human touch? Yeah, Gatebox is kind of this virtual assistant, similar to Siri or Google Home. It turns on the lights in your home, controls the temperature, but also sends emotional text messages saying, I miss you and I can't wait for you to get home. And this businessman returns home and explains how, you know, it's such a relief to come home to someone, insinuating that this technology is actually someone. So it does enter this really gray area where technology is once sort of this thing to support us and now is like, yeah, are we going to completely just replace it? It's April 2020, and much of the world's population is now locked down in their homes to avoid spreading coronavirus. We are living in isolation, many of us confronting this alone. And that's because maybe one of the hardest parts of this is physical interaction is actually a liability. So what does this mean for one of humanity's most important forms of expression, sex? Physical intimacy is a form of communication. It's a human need that goes beyond sexual desire. It's about human connection. So how can we continue to meet that desire and need for intimacy during these times? Could there be tech that helps us combat loneliness and strengthens intimacy? But we've also gotta be careful. Remember, we've already developed these intimate relationships with our devices. And now we're relying on them even more for human connection. Could we go too far? And where will we draw the line? My guest, Bryony Cole, has been talking about how sexuality and technology are changing intimacy and relationships for a long time. She's been asking questions like, 
Could immersive technology enable you to really feel your partner, even if they're not close by? What if virtual reality could teach you about consent? Could a virtual assistant become a replacement for a boyfriend or girlfriend, sending you emotional messages throughout the day? I know it sounds strange, but let's be honest, it's 2020 and I've heard weirder. So ask yourself, what platforms will be built in this era around intimacy? Will these innovations become mainstream, change the fabric of our society, or what it means to be human? So let's talk about sex. I'm Lori Siegel, and this is First Contact. Brian Cole, you are a leading voice when it comes to the future of technology and sex, and you're the host of the Future of Sex podcast, which is super fascinating, and I think everyone should listen to it. And you're also the founder of the International Sex Tech Hackathon, which we are most certainly going to talk about. But I want to start with like a basic question. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> What's the right thing to say these days, you know? I think it's, yeah. there's a bomb that could be let off with any, anyone saying how they're doing in such circumstances. For me, I'm waking up in Australia where things are pretty great. Um, so I don't really have that much to complain about if the mandate is to yeah. stay home and watch Netflix. Everyone here is healthy and well on my side. Um, you know, I was interested before in a lot of your work and talking about tech and not just like, you know, I, we'll get into what like sex tech is. Mm. Um but, you know, talking about the future of technology and intimacy, which I think is such an interesting topic, but I think it's even more relevant now. Like we're mm. all sitting here in self-isolation and our means of human connection is through a computer or through a device. So technology is enabling intimacy and all these different types of ways. So I feel like your work is so interesting. It was always interesting and mm. it's now it's it's super relevant. And that maybe the rest of the world caught up to the conversation that you were having about sex and technology for a really long time. Sure. So to start it, just what is it about sex and technology that fascinates you? Well, technology fascinates me in general, just in the way it's impacted human behavior and how much it's changed my own life and growing up and, you know, growing up pre internet to having internet. So I've always been so fascinated by the way technology sort of changes our human behavior maybe with a little bit of lag a little bit of cultural lag and how that all intersects together and that's sort of my background being at tech companies and working for governments and doing all sorts of different things always tech related but with that sort of sociology angle and so for me the the biggest one that we weren't talking about was sex you know sex is still so taboo and such a stigmatized um, topic because it's often relegated to this like dark sleazy corner of the internet or the side of a highway or somewhere you know in our in our minds but in fact you know we all got here presumably by someone having sex and um, we all are <laughs> sexual you know the way we walk in the world the way we go about in the world is our sexuality so I really was fascinated by the way these two you know forces in our life intersect and I think you're you, you're so right, Laurie, in that today we're facing even more this sort of confronting part of technology being the gateway to connection and intimacy and what does that mean? And for me in terms of where that's led my work, I think what's been really interesting is 
the questions I used to get before about um, were exhaustive on the topic of like robots and virtual girlfriends, right? And we can talk a lot more about what sex tech is beyond that. But I found that people were so hung up about are we going to be replaced by, you know, virtual boyfriends and girlfriends? And what an interesting time to be living through where many people are stuck at home and their boyfriend or girlfriend is somewhere else on the planet or even down the street right now that they can't see. And also how much we're realizing we need connection. Like we actually do need human connection and it probably can't be replaced by a robot and physical touch and all these things that now we're we're kind of, you know, realizing if we didn't have the research before, I think now we're, we have the, the proof that intimacy is so important and that probably can't be replaced. But the great thing about technology is it can enhance and solve for these needs sometimes. And so kind of taking a step back, how do you define sex tech? Like this is a term uh, we throw around. And I thought it was interesting what you said about like when people think of like sex tech, they think of like VR porn and robot sex and um, what your work does, which is really interesting, is it just kind of is like, okay, there's so much more. You know, so how do you define sex tech? Yeah, so the the definition I use is sex tech is any technology designed to enhance intimacy. And when I talk about sex tech in that way, what I'm really talking about is not just sex, the physical act, but sexuality. So this big umbrella topic that encompasses everything that we think about when we think about sexuality, education, health, crime and violence reporting, medicine, gender identity. These are things as well as, of course, intimacy and relationships and actually having sex that encompass the sex side of sex tech. And then on the technology side, you know, all the the sexy stuff like the robots and virtual reality, but also um, sort of the fairly mundane technology that we already use that we don't even think is technology that could be our hands. It could be the, you know, stone dildo that was found in a cave 35,000 years ago in Germany, Mm -hmm. which was the first discovery of Mm -hmm. a, a dildo. But yeah, just thinking about this in a broader sense. So when we think about technology and how that intersects with sexuality, then we start to get some really interesting results, even if it's just like apps or chatbots for sex education or interesting new products for painful sex. I think we often go, oh, sex is all about like pleasure and hedonism. But sometimes there's things like, what about a STI problem globally or you know, issues with painful sex or premature ejaculation, those issues can also benefit from interesting technologies that may be able to help solve them. So I've been covering tech for a minute, right? And we both know it's like a predominantly male industry. It must have been interesting being you and being in the rooms. Like you worked at places like like Microsoft, right? Like you've worked in all these different places you know, with this point of view on sex and technology and, and kind of the future. Yeah. I mean, I'd always had an interest in technology. I find it fascinating to be on the edge of things and had always sort of been that kid that was like looking at the new thing or if people were like, well, what's the new app coming out? They'd always be like, oh, Brian, will know that. So that sort of is the common, I think, theme in my work life was always looking at future focused things really. But underneath all of that, I think was this feeling that, you know, growing up, having a fairly sort of average childhood, fantastic childhood, the average childhood in Australia, but we don't really talk about sex um, in much detail, right? You go to school and you get 
somewhat of an anatomy lesson. Sex education, I think we can agree, is pretty crappy everywhere in the world anyway. So I didn't have any language to describe my sexuality. And at the same time, I had an experience where, again, I think is fairly common for women, is growing up, I remember being just so excited. I was in grade six, so I must have been 12, 11 or 12 years old. And I was going to Target with my mum to buy my first bra. And I was so excited. I just had this sense that something big was happening. You know, when you're a kid, so you're not fully developed mentally, but I was physically developing. And so I was just like, this is this big occasion. And I came home and I was just elated. I was like, mom and dad, you have to take photos of me in this bra. This is amazing. And to their (laughs) credit, they were like, yeah, this is great. Like, let's celebrate you <laughs> joining the womanhood, you know. And I, right. and the same thing happened when I got my period and they cracked a bottle of champagne. I'm like, they've just been really positive about that. And what I noticed was that was the only positive message I got about being a woman. In fact, when I went to school and then on to university and work, a lot of the messages were more about being small and, you know, making my voice small, but also being physically small. I always felt like I didn't really understand, especially as a 12-year-old, why something was a bit wrong about what was happening to me. But I always felt like I had to be smaller. So that that was sort of the thread, I think, that really led me when I found sex tech. And I thought, hey, I know how to talk about technology. And sexuality has been such a silent influence in my life um, in the way I've you know matured as a woman I think this is really important and if I could go back in time and tell that 12 year old girl you know being a woman that's going to be part of your strength and that's going to lead you on to all these other things I think I would have gone a lot further in the work world and you know in studies and everything faster if I'd embraced my womanhood so I got involved in this through some research on the Nightlife Project and found these guys talking about virtual reality, you know, simulations with models in hot tubs and sort of the cliche. You were working with Absolute, right? And you had to go around and and you wanted to look at the future of like nightclubs. So you went and actually interviewed a bunch of different executives about it. And this is what you heard. Yeah. And so I found, I guess what I thought, what I thought I would find about sex tech is I found, you know, these guys designing um, virtual reality scent releases. And, you know, when I asked them, what's the craziest thing you're working on? They said, oh, we're designing scent releases so we can simulate being in a hot tub with three supermodels on a Saturday night. And to me, that was kind of like, oh man, no, no, that mm-hmm. can't be true. You know, that's every sci-fi film we've ever seen of like the dudes in their garage making their virtual girlfriends. Um, and it really prompted me to think about how do I how do I turn this research into something else that's much more focused in on sex and with this this story underneath of like I think this is really important, like this is something I've been missing, which evolved into the Future of Sex podcast. And what I had found after the first few episodes is there is a whole community of women working in sex tech, which I had no idea about. Which is super interesting, right? Because if you even like look at like products and a lot of like the sex stores, they seem seedy and dark and this and that. And I remember interviewing a woman named Polly from Unbound like years ago um, who was saying like there's like a huge market for sex toys that women actually want and, um, you know, and something that is created by women that feels different, uh, that has like a different feel to it. So I think it seems like an opportunity to some degree. Yeah, I think it was. And, you know, I think there's an even bigger opportunity now, I think. And so 
since I started the podcast, I've noticed this growing, you know, interest and excitement with female entrepreneurs entering the space, designing something for themselves and designing something that aesthetically looks beautiful, that can live on your bedside table and not, you know, hidden away and shameful and also works for their bodies. What I think is interesting now looking to the future is I think there's going to be a more inclusive wave where we're designing for all different bodies, including men, right? Because male sex toys, that's still very taboo. But I think there's going to be new opportunities opening up there after this sort of wave of female-led innovation. Okay, we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. More with my guest after the break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I want to go um, to this moment because this moment is so uh, specific that, you know, 
we're in this moment where in many cases it's actually dangerous to touch each other. Like what role will technology play in redefining intimacy in the COVID era? Yeah, so if we think about intimacy, touch is sort of the first thing that comes to mind. It's such a big dimension of intimacy, but I think what technology is doing today and enabling outside of touch is these other dimensions to intimacy, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, and like shared experiences, whether that's spiritual or like shared connections or doing things online. So Physicals are really tough one unless you've, you know, got haptic technology or you've got teledildonics, which, you know, I think that's becoming increasingly interesting. And for those that have never heard of teledildonics before, teledildonics are sex toys enabled by a Wi-Fi or Bluetooth connection so that you could um, say have sex, whatever your definition of sex is, but use them with your partner um, wherever they are in the world. So I think that's kind of helping with the physical touch aspect of intimacy, but really what technology is facilitating is conversations and connections, so emotional connections and being able to understand that and also understand yourself, you know, not only through Zoom calls, but through learning, right? Like Esther Perel's doing amazing webinars at the moment. Um, there's so many mm-hmm. resources online that are coming to the fore now, whether that's O.School, which is kind of like your Netflix for sex education, for adult sex education, or OMG Yes, or more um, sort of adult, like, kennethplay.com who has his um, sex hacker series so there's all these ways that's opening up conversations around sex around how you're feeling and also these intellectual conversations I think as well I think people are looking for guidance and they're also looking for play if they can't do that with the person that's in the same room how does that happen through the internet I think people are going to be a lot better at phone sex and FaceTime sex out of necessity. It'll be interesting. You talk about like haptic technology too. Like, do you think we'll see platforms built on this moment? Like people have been talking about haptic technology for a while because we can't physically be with each other. And there's going to be a lot of fear for a while, maybe until they find like a, you know, a vaccine for this, especially for folks who are single. Will we see tech companies and trying out new technology or haptic technology or that kind of thing? Yeah, so haptic technology essentially is transmitting the sense of touch. And I think there's some really interesting players that are starting to do it that probably, as you're saying this, I'm thinking they're definitely speeding up their innovation and time to market to get these things out, Um, whether that's gloves that you're putting on that will be able to transmit the sense of touch to connected sex toys and sex toys that have that haptic technology. So Mm -hmm. I do. I think that will happen. I haven't heard of anyone coming out yet, but we're still very early saying we're going this direction. What I do know is that people are buying sex toys like they're buying food and alcohol right now. So it's it's becoming a somewhat essential item. Well, um, it was the the New York Health department, their guidelines said the safest sex is sex with yourself. So, I mean, it's been written. And it's interesting. You've talked a little bit about is it Kissinger? Is that what it oh, is? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think right. that's a, it's a good example of haptic technology for folks who don't understand, right? Like, I always like to go a teeny bit black mirror, but not too much black mirror and like, what could the world look like? Um, but can you explain what Kissinger is? Is that how you even say it? Is that right? All right. Good catch. The Kissinger had left my 
my mind. I don't have one, but maybe I should get one right now um, <laughs> to like give my mom a kiss on the cheek. So the Kissinger was developed in Singapore, I believe, and it transmits your kiss. It looks very much like like almost like a phone charger, like a smartphone charger dock that you would like a little cot that you would put your phone in. But instead, it sort of fitted with these sensors around the phone that you can kiss. Almost looks like it doesn't look like lips. It looks like something you'd put your lips on. And that transmits the kiss to the other person who, you know, who has the Kissinger who's holding it up to their mouth too. So Mm. I thought that that (laughs) it was such an interesting product in that it wasn't also talking about intimacy, um, which I think is true now of of intimacy between partners, but intimacy between family members and also, of course, between, you know, you and a celebrity or perhaps more like campsites, those sorts of things where we're already seeing teledotonics being used. It's like, what would it mean to be able to kiss Brad Pitt? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like these technologies that we all thought were kind of weird and a little bit strange. Um, Something like this happens and there's a use case, right? Like we're using haptic technology that feels a little far out, but then you think about the fact that maybe you have a boyfriend somewhere else uh, around the world or you have your family back in another place and you can't physically go be around them. I mean, it actually creates an interesting um, use case for this type of stuff. I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I do. And the, the other one that's less sexual but is kind of cute is the heartbeat pillow where, you know, it's you have the heartbeat, you have a little bracelet on that tracks your heartbeat and it transmits it to... Um, something you can put under your pillow on the other end so you can hear your lover's heartbeat, which kind of sounds soothing. Yeah. I mean, especially in these times, right? Mm -hmm. You've talked a little bit about teenagers losing their FaceTime virginity, children accessing porn as young as something like five years old, Mm -hmm. loneliness on the rise. The journalist in me looks at this era of coronavirus and says like all of these things that you've talked about could only be magnified, right? By increased usage of online activity, being home, loneliness, you know, walk us through that. Like, and first of all, talk to us a little bit about, you talk about teens losing their FaceTime virginity. What what are you talking about? And then also, is this a moment? Do we need to be really careful right now that as we've gone all in that, you know, we don't go too far? Mm. Yeah. I mean, to that last bit, I just feel so strongly that people are really craving connection in a human sense now that I feel like people are getting the sense that, oh yeah, like we don't want to just live on the internet after this, especially that's my sense. But for FaceTime virginity, when we're talking about that, that's something totally, I had no idea about till six months ago, but kids talk about losing their FaceTime virginity the same way we used to talk about our first kiss and that is really like oh who do you you know lose your FaceTime virginity to um meaning who did you have you know FaceTime like sex on FaceTime or masturbate on FaceTime with and that seems to be a trend in anecdotally who I talk to which are young kids about sex and you know how they're using technology the other thing I've noticed because my partner is a teacher and is doing all his classes remotely now is that kids are really sad, that kids really miss their friends. So I wonder if um, they will also realise that physical touch is actually really much more important than sex on FaceTime. I go back to there's like a group of people in Japan, I don't know if you've heard of them, that millions of them have like socially withdrawn. It's called hikamori. And they live a full on digital existence. This was all before coronavirus. And 
Um, they've been linked to depression and psychiatric conditions and all sorts of stuff. And the cure for them is physical connection and being around people and, and whatnot. And so I worry that we're going all in digitally. Um, you know, do like, what do we need to keep in mind? I think about that too. I mean, I think there's going to be, you know, three types of people that emerge from this, the people that are just ready to get out as soon as, you know, things are lifted and and life sort of seems to return to being able to go outside and socialize. Then there'll be the people that are a little bit hesitant that won't be going to the football games till everything's good and they're delayed, like that longer Mm -hmm. pause. And then as you say, will there be people where that think, I'm not coming out of isolation. I'm thriving in isolation. And we think, what whatever happened to Melissa? <laughs> Where'd she go? <laughs> um, which is also an interesting setting for a sci-fi book, but it's uh, life right now. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's so it's so early to to know. Um, we see a lot of stuff now. You know, on the internet saying, you know, make sure you, you know, turn off the screens and move for 30 minutes and all these sort of recipes for success in isolation. But the truth is, I don't think anyone really knows yet. Right. What do you think intimacy will look like in the virtual world? You've done a lot of work on VR and what the future will look like. I don't know if we'll all have headsets by the time this is over, but but what do you think it'll look like? <laughs> yeah. In the VR world, um, you know, it still feels in the sex space kind of clunky. I have so many hopes and aspirations for VR because it's such an intimate and interactive, immersive experience when it's great. Like when you've done amazing things in VR, it's sort of like your brain's changing. You're just like, I I can imagine all the possibilities. And for me, they came out of thinking about education because it is such a global issue. Um, such a problem, I think such an opportunity right now as well, especially with parents at home being able to kind of monitor their kids somewhat um, or understand how how much they're using technology. I think, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if we had VR sex education? I think that will come soon as it has for like other subjects like history and science in VR. Mm. Why not have something like education? And because it's so personal so you know, going back to that version of yourself that's 12 or 13 years old and all these things happening to your body, being able to ask someone in the privacy of VR but also that immersive experience or, you know, talk to someone about STIs and really have that, you know, practice even, you know, we talked previously about these sex education apps in VR that are being trialled, you know, games that allow you to go through nightclubs and practice saying no that's so interesting. Like, what does that even look like? I, I mean, by the way, like, may everyone learn more about consent, but this idea of consent in VR is such an interesting concept. Yeah, I think, you know, people are really trying to crack the consent code. Like, how do we teach something that is always ongoing, you know, like it's always ongoing. Right. And so it's so nuanced and um, people have tried sex tech before for consent in the blockchain. I don't know if you saw that at all, um, but didn't work, right? Because it's not like you can sign a contract and you've got consent. But the idea of practically learning about consent by going through scenarios in VR to allow you to practice saying no or asking for consent is actually a really great idea. And so there's been a couple of games developed. We had one developed at the last hackathon in Melbourne. There's a couple of years ago there was one um, developed in the States as well. That one was really interesting. It was geared towards college-age women going through a nightclub and practicing saying no. 
the idea being once you get out into the real world, it's a lot easier if you've practiced being in an uncomfortable situation to go there again, just like you practice for like a job interview. Um, So I thought that was really neat. And Hmm. it's inevitable, right, that these sort of educational, practical learnings should appear in VR as soon as we all catch up, which maybe is now. Okay, we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. More with my guest after the break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. God, I remember doing an interview with a woman. We did it in the virtual world. Like in VR, we did the interview about, um, she said she was sexually harassed in the virtual world. Um, Someone kept touching her and it was his real voice and she could hear him, but she couldn't, there was no button in the game for her to push him away. And it was such a fascinating concept. And she said she had been sexually harassed in the real world and it it gave her the same feeling because the idea of VR is it's supposed to make you feel like it's real. Um, And then we'll add haptics one day and it will feel real, right? So like it was this really interesting ethical conversation around like what does even consent actually look like in the virtual world and gaming too. And and a lot of it is, you know, these, these games weren't necessarily built by women who will be experiencing some of this. Yeah, it's, it is often an afterthought. And um, I thought her experience was yeah so fascinating and kind of mirrors what we would think about today with revenge porn and other ways that technology mm-hmm. is being used to harass people and how terrible it even feels if you've ever received a creepy email or a creepy DM or right. dick pics. 
All those sorts of things are often an afterthought or just the unintended consequence of developing this technology. And so, yeah, an ethical committee for sex tech globally, is that what we need? (laughs) You heard it here first. Um, I mean, especially as the world goes, I think, more digital. And even I think this moment will be interesting because people will be experimenting more with intimacy over Zoom. I mean, my God, don't take your clothes off on Zoom. Like there, there's so many hacking issues. You know, I, I mean, things that people I don't even think this could lead to a rise in revenge porn. I don't think people even have really thought too far ahead. So it's just things you begin to think about when we're looking at it through this current lens of this pandemic. Absolutely. I uh, think there's a whole story there to be to be told around safe sex virtually. You know, what does that even look like that we haven't even touched yet? Yeah. What does that look like? <laughs> you're you're my sex expert. What does safe sex in the virtual pandemic era look like? We know that they've said the safest sex is with yourself, but what does safe sex in the virtual pandemic hacking world look like? <laughs> yeah, maybe like turn off Zoom, you know, or remove <laughs> all the metadata from your sex photos. You know, there, there's so right. many different things that we, the majority of us are not aware of how to sext safely or have sex safely online to your point about Zoom or like what... What platform is really safe? I think the safest thing is not to be on video online, but that's not realistic, especially in this time. So it's realising, yeah, well, if you do that, maybe you want to remove your head completely from that experience so that, you know, you're not doing it. Maybe you're comfortable, maybe you're using another tool, but I don't have the, the knowledge to know which is the safest one, but I actually think it's a great idea for someone, for an entrepreneur that's out there to think about creating a, a comprehensive education program around how to do this all safely. You know, we have such troubles even like with online predators, with children yeah. now as well. Sorry, I don't have yeah. a more comprehensive answer for you. No, but I, th- I think it's interesting though. And and even speaking of entrepreneurs, like when it comes to the future of intimacy, there's so much fear, I think now around physical touch. Will we see technology built specifically to replace human touch? Oh, don't break my heart. <laughs> I, but I it really could happen. Yeah. I know. I just really hope not. I mean, I saw this interesting art installation. Thank goodness it wasn't a like a real product yet, but it's called The End of Life Machine. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. So it's, it was developed um, in Asia and it's a soothing, calming robot for when your family can't be there at the end of your life, mm. which in these days is so sad that that's a reality. And the, wow. the robot strokes you. So strokes you on the arm or wherever you, you want to be touched and speaks to you in a calming voice and tells you it's going to be okay and that your family love you and that, you know, you're going to be fine. Oof. I'll send you the video. Anyone can look it up on YouTube, the end of life care machine. And then once the person has passed, all the life support equipment is turned off and, and then the robot tells them like, yeah, well, they've gone now and, you know, it's done. This person is dead at this time. So those sorts of things are replacing touch at a time when it, you know, that is such an intimate, critical moment, if not the most, right, at your time of death when you want to be comforted. Perhaps it will become more than an art project. Perhaps that is something that will need to be developed. Yeah, God, I can't even, I mean, it just, that feels so raw right now with, um, 
you know, one of the most visceral things about this moment is people who have loved ones who are dying and they're not able to be there with them. The idea of dying alone without physically being around people, it's just heartbreaking. Um, I wonder um, if, this is a weird one, but I promise I'm going to go somewhere with this. Be weird. Um, you know, <laughs> like we're all spending more and more time at home and we were already attached to our devices and and technology was already getting more human. Do you worry that people will start developing relationships with machines? Or maybe let me put it this in. Do you worry that people will start developing feelings for machines? There's a lot of memes going around where people are and they're relating to it, right? You know, like day, right. day 13 of quarantine and they're talking back to Siri or, you know, getting into a relationship with machines. Perhaps, you know, our tendency is to anthropomorphize things that almost look like it and behave like humans but aren't quite humans. I don't worry about it right now. But, you know, talk to me in a month and maybe I will. But right now what I'm seeing is people going, oh, I need so much more than than this. Like I'm realising that technology is not the answer to everything and, you know, there's yeah. Zoom fatigue and hangovers using technology and people going, yeah, well, what else can I do? Well, it's interesting. I, I We had a woman on um, who has a company called Replica, which I don't know if you've heard of. It's like um, they do companion bots. Mm. So like bots on your phone that are almost like your friend or could be, a, you know, replica for a relationship if you want. Um, and, you know, they have many, many users. And, and I was speaking to her today and people can, you know, say anything they want to these bots. They can say, oh, I'm afraid. I, I love you. The robots respond with lots of empathy. They're trained by psychologists. And so obviously this is a very high stress moment. Um, and she was telling me that something like people used to send about 55 messages or something per day. And now they're sending up to 80 messages per day since coronavirus stuff. More and more people are paying for premium bot features. I just, you know, I, I, it makes me wonder if, because you've talked a lot about loneliness, if people will be looking um, to technology in a way, you know, to, to try to fill a void. Um, I know you've talked about, I think, Gatebox, which was an interesting example of this too. Yeah, it sounds like people are looking for relief more than reliance after this, you know, one would hope. But it's so interesting thinking, we can chat about Gatebox too, but just thinking about the chatbots and the relief that they're providing in this time is so interesting and that have been developed. I, I'm not sure if we've talked or you've talked before about MEND, which was the chatbot for heartbreak. So I think chatbots are doing interesting things like support and relief. In the sex tech world, outside Gatebox, the other one is uh, Slapbot, which is the the robot that you can sext with. So you can learn how to sext using um, Slutbot and she texts you back or he texts you back depending on what you want. So And teaches you how to sext? Is that, that's what it does? Yeah, which is great because like who really, you know, not a lot of people know how to sext well, I think. And like, it's really right. fun, you know, in terms of like finding new ideas, but also like getting consent and doing it in a really fun way. I think now we're more and more relying on, all this technology to date and to go through those early stages of relationships where usually we'd be able to like kiss or something. So now people from what I've heard are turning to sexting really fast. <laughs> My friend's like, I'm getting way too many dick pics uh, for, you know, having just met this guy. <laughs> so slut bots, uh, this chat bot that you can practice sexting with and she'll 
sex back or you can make it a guy and he'll sex back. Um, so I thought that was really mm. cool. And then, yeah, Gatebox is kind of this further version down the line which leans into less sex and more like intimacy. If we think about intimacy, yes, there's this, the physical aspect, but this emotional aspect is so interesting and where you were talking about with Replica and that idea that can can that be replaced, that emotional support and Gatebox is similar to Siri or Google Home. It's sort of this virtual assistant turns on the lights in your home, controls the temperature, but also sends emotional text messages saying, I miss you and I can't wait for you to get home. And, you know, the ads, if you Google them for Gatebox, are kind of eerie. You know, this this businessman returns home and explains how, you know, it's such a relief to come home to someone, insinuating that this technology is actually someone and it's marketed as a replacement girlfriend. So, it does enter this really gray area where technology is once sort of this thing to support us and now is like, yeah, are we going to completely just replace it? Which goes totally against what I just originally said. <laughs> Although in all fairness, I will say if like Alexa, like, oh, I don't want to say it too loud. She'll hear if, if, uh, if, if I forget we're doing this from my home, like everything, uh, you know, if she, if she just made sure everything was warm all the time and then sent me nice messages, I'd probably be like, oh, I'm down. I get it. You're amazing. I love you. Yeah. If she made sure I like, I like the heat all the way up at my apartment. So if she just kept my place warm and said like really nice things to me over text messages, I don't know. You know, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> for for some reason, I've always thought that, but it's you know not true. We have cases where people are marrying Gatebox, right? But it seems to me that role being fulfilled is more like yeah, of an assistant, right? Like a virtual assistant mm-hmm. rather than a virtual lover, right? I just wonder what gets lost there, right? And like what we have to be so careful about, like mm-hmm. you know what gets lost when you lose human connection. Mm. And um, yeah, this is what we're all finding out now. Yeah, I mean, and and so take me to some of the hackathons you do because you have so much interesting innovation that comes out of these. So tell us about these events that you throw and then some of the stuff that's come out of them. Yeah, I think the sex tech hackathons are so interesting because you're not just yeah pulling together people from the tech world, which typically is what hackathons do, right? You know, you come together for a weekend and you hack on a project. With the sex tech hackathons, they're largely geared towards people that don't have that much familiarity with technology. So we'll see, you know, educators come, mums, designers, just people from all different parts of um, professions and backgrounds, um, students, usually between the ages of like 20 years old and 40 years old, 100 people together under the one roof, and we give them challenges associated with sexuality to solve through technology. The other interesting thing about the hackathons... Like what kind of challenges? Um, so how do you make sex education more accessible for teenage boys? Or how do you make condoms cool? Or how do you hmm. provide more sexual expression for people living with disabilities or disabled persons, depending on how you like to phrase that. So issue these challenges around sexuality and then invite people to form teams and and build whatever, you know, they think is going to be the solution. So at the end of that, you're seeing things that may be teledildonics, may be interesting vibrators. You know, we had a sex 
uh, voice-activated vibrator for people in wheelchairs, which was really cool, out of the Sydney Hackathon. Um, we've also done them in Singapore, New York, and we just most recently did one in February in Melbourne. And the winning team there developed a game for kids. It was a team of mothers and also, you know, entrepreneurs. But I think the mother part was relevant because they were all struggling with talking to their kids about sex. Mm. Um, And they developed this game. And that's sort of the great, you know, innovations that come out of this is people come because they have an interest, they're curious, and they probably have a need already for something in their life that they're really passionate about that they want to change, whether that's a conversation with their kids, a relationship issue, a sexual health problem. And it's great to see that sort of grassroots innovation when so much of the industry has been driven by, you know, access to capital and like like the tech industry, mostly male. Um, it's interesting to gather a lot of yeah. non-males in a room and see what comes yeah. of it. <laughs> right. So you've created a game. Um, talk a little bit about it and what, what's the idea behind it? Yeah, so we created Wheel of Foreplay really to give people a space to play, which wasn't so focused on technology, but was focused on themselves. And we started this with the intention of it just being for couples and now we're moving into it being for singles and for people that are dating as well. But if you go to willofforplay.com, you'll see it. It's basically a modern version of a spin-the-wheel type game that offers you different ideas and inspiration around what you might like to do with your partner if you're at home with your partner. Um, I think everyone's fearful of, like, is my marriage going to last through this or, like, how can we still have sex in a fun way? I really just wanted to find a fun thing to do. I think other than all the guidance and the knowledge and the tools that are out there dealing with this emotional side of intimacy and everything that we're going, is there a lighthearted way for us to be able to connect with one another? And that is what Wheel of Foreplay is. I mean, what what do you think the future of sex tech looks like? I think it's, for me, whenever I ask this question to people on the podcast, the resounding answer is something similar to what I would say in that it's a future that looks more open, more accessible, shame-free, less judgment, probably non-gendered if we can go there. Um, But that's all sort of encapsulates this cultural, social message or conversation rather than an actual technology. You know, I think... When I think about the future, it's not actually all to do with technology and the latest innovation. It's actually like how are our attitudes changing um, and how is technology changing our attitudes? And that's what I hope for when I talk about the future of sex is less focus on like this cool technology is going to change the way we have sex. But actually like, no, our attitudes are going to be much more open to this and sex and sexuality is going to be normalized. And from there, amazing things will happen. Do you think that this pandemic will be net positive for technology and intimacy or net negative? I'm forever an optimist. So mm-hmm. for me, I really feel strongly that people are going to find interesting ways to adapt in their relationships and that will be a positive, whether that results in end of some relationships that just weren't healthy to you know people finding love over the internet or in unexpected relationships for me i think this is actually a great moment for us to pause and adapt the way we think about intimacy
Okay, guys, that's it for this week's show. Now, I know these are strange times. If you're sitting at home and listening to this, I'd love to hear from you. How are you doing? What do you want to hear more of? Reach out to me. You can text me at 917-540-3410. Throughout the crisis, we'll be hosting Zoom town halls on a variety of issues like mental health, love, sex, leadership, productivity, with guests that I think are interesting and relevant to this moment. So follow along on our social media to join us for some human-ish contact. I'm at Lori Siegel on Twitter and Instagram, and the show is at First Contact Podcast on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at First Contact Pod. First Contact is a production of Dot 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 Media, executive produced by Lori Siegel and Derek Dodge. I will say we're being creative and executive producing this from home at the moment. This episode was produced and edited by Sabine Jansen and Jack Regan. The original theme music is by Xander Singh. I'm sending my thoughts to each and every one of you, and so was our whole First Contact crew. During this time, I hope that everyone is staying home, staying healthy, and staying human. First Contact is a production of Dot 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 Media and iHeartRadio. First Contact with Lori Siegel is a production of Dot 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 Media and iHeartRadio. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.